You're listening to a sermon on the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Hang around after the sermon for more information about Mission Ridge Church. Sermon notes for this message or any of our other messages can be found through our website, missionridge.church. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoy the message. Well, we're week two of our relational discipleship series called The Great Commission. Last week, we talked about this this, this mission that Jesus invites us into. It's a co-mission with him and it's a co-mission with each other. It's something that we, that we engage with together. And Jesus has this great promise that I will be with you even to the end of the age. That's our time. That's now. Those are words for you and for me. And so when we choose to engage in discipleship, we get to experience Jesus. And this series is about us trying to figure out our part. Like, Lord, how do we live this out well? I have a question for you. I don't know if you ever thought about this, but why did Jesus live 33 years? What was that about? We don't know about the first 30, not, like not very much. We have what, two stories? He gets circumcised and uh, he gets lost in the temple or his parents get lost without him in the temple, something at age 12. But we don't know much about the first 30 years. And then why did he spend three years with his disciples? Was that necessary? I mean, did he, did he need that much time? Could he, could he have done it in, in six weeks or, or a year? Like we're a microwave society. We love to compress time and like make things happen faster. And, and so what, why not six months? Why not? And, and then why 12? You, you know, he had 5,000 men eating the food they provided. And so that's, that's at least 12 to 15,000 people. Like he could have had, like he could, he could have been the first mega pastor, right? Why, why did he choose the 12 and not the 5,000? In fact, I've got this theory, uh, John kind of, kind of, keys in on this, but, but it seems like Jesus didn't like the big crowds. He wanted a small crowd. In fact, he didn't always do things with the 12. Sometimes he just did things with the three. Like he went for more intimate, but isn't, is this very efficient of, of God? I mean, Why three years? Why 12? We have this, uh, we, we say that we are a relational discipleship church. And we're going to focus an awful lot on the, on the relational piece. Because this is what Jesus lived out. 
He cared about intimate relationship. He cared about 24,000 hours with somebody. Living, eating, sleeping next to, walking, riding in boats, walking on water, feeding 5,000 people. Jesus valued 24,000 hours with somebody. Why did he value that? Maybe it starts in Genesis 2. This is the first time God says something is not good. The Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. What's amazing about this statement is, is Adam alone? Isn't God there in in the garden with him, with unfettered relationship? Nothing is coming between God and Adam, not even fig leaves. They're naked. He's naked and unashamed. There's no reason for Adam to hide. And yet God says, it is not good for Adam to be alone. God knew that we needed relationship because he created us for relationship. This is the first thing he created us for. Think about the triune God. In relationship with each other for eternity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Always in communion. Jesus will pray we see his words in John 15 that, that he's praying for us to be one as he and the Father are one. He wants us to experience that same communion, that same level of intimacy that he and the Father have always experienced in communion for eternity. As, we, as you hear the following verses, please listen to them through the filter of relationship. These Relationship is 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 written throughout all the scriptures. Deuteronomy 6, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. That sounds relational. Everything that you do and, and however you live, love God. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart and you shall teach them diligently. So we got, we got to pass that along, right? To your sons and shall talk of them when you sit down in your house and you walk by the way and when you lie down and as you rise up. So we are to be in this relationship with God, but then help others know how to live that relationship too. And we do that through relationship. Relationship might be important to God. Leviticus 19.18. You shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the sons of your people, but you shall love the neighbor, your neighbor as yourself. Why is that true? He says, I am the Lord. That's why we do that. Why don't I hold a grudge against you? Because he's the Lord. And he cares about my relationship with you. Why do I not take vengeance against you? Because he's the Lord. 
And every time I read this, I, I, I'm like, Lord, <laughs> you are who you are. And I have to agree with you. This is the right way for me to live. In Exodus 20, we see the 10 commandments. It's one of the places we see the 10 commandments. Let's look at the first five. He says, I'm the Lord, your God. I am who I am. Any kind of relationship, we have to know the person and we have to respect the person. If we're going to be in a right kind of relationship with them. He says, you are to have no other gods before me. Why? Because that would break relationship with him. Don't take the Lord's name in vain. Why? Because that harms the relationship. Keep the Sabbath. Why? Because it's a nice nifty rule to keep that is super convenient. <laughs> no, because it's about your relationship with him. Honor your mom and your dad. Why? Because that's how you keep that relationship healthy. The next five commandments. Don't murder. That kills relationship. <laughs> so good. Uh, no, no adultery. Relationship. No stealing. I knew a guy that uh, in, in Moscow, I know, very generous, very generous. If you walked up to him and said, hey, I need $500, you'd be like, here's $500. Just that kind of a guy. Someone stole some of his tools out of his truck. He was devastated. It hurt. Why is that? Breaks relationship. No false witnesses, no coveting. These things break relationships. The Ten Commandments are about relationships. God's not some kind of killjoy. He's trying to have, he's trying to help us have the kind of relationships that he created us for. We were created for relationship and the, the commands teach us how to live those out. New Testament writers, Apostle Paul says this, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such things. There is no law. Which of these is not lived out in context of relationship? Love for whom? Joy demonstrated towards whom? Peace between whom? Patience with whom? Kindness shown to whom? Goodness passed on to whom? Faithfulness to whom? Gentleness shown to whom? You out in the wilderness with that tree that's going to fall? Self-control to honor whom? All these are about relationship. And fruit is measured by our capacity to be in relationship with one another. Jesus. We could go probably just about every chapter of, of every gospel and find something relational that Jesus says. But let's go to Matthew 22, 37 to 40. 
Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and prophets. You could sum up, Jesus says, the entire Bible. My wife, uh, well, I, I bought a Bible and I didn't like how bulky and heavy it was. And so I gave it to my wife because her eyes need the bigger font than, than mine do. And, uh, but you could, you could sum up that whole, all those pages, 1300 pages, something like that. With a couple sentences, according to Jesus, if we live this out really well, love God, love our neighbor, See, God created you for relationship. Relationships are where we can experience the very best of God. Relationships also where we can experience the greatest pain. Two. Right? Uh, Aaron Couch came up with this graph. This is spiritual maturity, um, relationship with God, relationship with others. And we're, we're, we're pursuing both. We're trying to grow in both. You can say, I, I love God. I love Jesus. But people... Can't stand them. You won't find me in church. I'll be up on top of mountains. We've, 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 we've all had friends say that, right? Haven't you heard that at least once? People, no thank you. God, all right. Jesus doesn't give us that option. Jesus doesn't give us that option. Jesus commands us to love our enemies, to forgive our debtors, to care for the alien, the orphan, and the widow, to feed people that we don't know, to visit people in prison that we don't know, to take care of the sick that we don't know, to invite people in that we don't know. Why? Because when we do it for them, we're doing it for him. Right? He calls us to love people and to love God. To grow them both. Now, to understand this graph a little bit more, we want to kind of break this down and, and talk about what it means to love others. And so let's go to the next slide. Yeah, love others and to love God. In order to love others, we have to we have to we have to know them, and we have to have connection with them. If you know an awful lot about somebody, but you have no connection with them you're either a historian or a stalker. I think those are the two options. You could be a fan, but that's awful close to being a stalker. But it takes, it takes both knowledge and, and connection. If we're going to grow in our relationships with people, we have to grow in our knowledge of them, know what they like, know what they dislike, 
know what their temperament is. And then we need time. We need close proximity. We need connection. And if either of the knowing or the connecting starts to lag, like let's say you build a relationship with somebody through both connection and knowledge, you, you, you really start to, you, you know, you've dated for a while and now you're married and, 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 and you know all those things about them. But either one of those elements starts to lag or maybe it's your best friend. Your best friend used to hang out all the time. You have a lot of in-depth conversations. You know their family, you know their history, you know their, their ins and outs, you know their ups and their downs, but you start to lack either the knowing or the connection. Either one of those starts to lag. Husbands, forget your wife's birthday and see how that goes. Best friends, stop talking. See how that goes. Hey, yeah, I, I want to get with you, but how about next week? Next week shows up. How about next week? Next week shows up. Yeah, not this week either. After so many of those, relationship was really starting to dwindle, isn't it? There's also this idea of acting against what you know about the person. Uh, I love the Cougars. You guys know that, Washington State Cougars. I love the Cougars. Great game yesterday, 38 to 7. You buy me Husky swag? Our friendship is dwindling. That's all you have to do, Scott. That's all you got to do. Uh, it's the same with God. Let's say you know God. You read his word all the time. You, you can quote verses left and right. You could argue with anybody on the street. Your theology is rock solid, at least according to you. But let's say you're not on talking terms with God. How's that going to go? How's that go with any relationship? Or maybe you feel real connected, like, I just love God. He's amazing. I love our time together but you don't know anything about him. You don't know what he likes, what he dislikes. I mean, God is pretty clear on what he likes and doesn't, right? God, God, he's pretty stark in his, this is what I love and this is what I hate. I'm so connected with Jesus, but you don't know any of his words. You don't know any of his parables. You got this connection, if you don't know him, maybe you've talked with somebody like that. You're like, oh, it feels weird. Or you act against 
what you know. God, I know that you don't want me to look at pornography, but here we go. God, I know that you say don't hold a grudge, but ugh, not letting this go. I uh, had a friend years ago in the military. Uh, really interesting story. I'll, I'll share more with you if you want to know. Uh, ask me at the, our function today. Um, but he was holding a grudge against wing leadership. And I and we're having this conversation, and it's a pretty intimate conversation. Finally, I asked him, like, do you, you know the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us? And he goes, yeah, I, I, I know that. I said, and you're not going to let this go? And he goes, I can't. I can't. Now, in that moment, I think the relationship with God is impacted. It's hindered. I'm supposed to live with my wife in an understanding way so that my prayers are not hindered. Why? Because she's made in the image of God too. And I need to recognize that. So we can't act against what we know and think that our connection with God is just fine. Like these are tied together. So back to this graph, we got relationship with God. We have relationship with others, but I think this graph is missing something. It's maybe missing the most important piece. And we talked about how do we draw this differently because we need to grow in our relationship with God. We need to grow in our relationship with others but we are to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. That's what the verse says. And how good are we at loving ourselves? See, let's go back. Let's go. Yeah. Nope. Yep. Sorry. We have to know ourselves and then we have to connect to ourselves. We have to know what I like and dislike. What are my passions? What are my aspirations? What are my emotions? We'll talk about that here in just a second. Um, my physical being, like how am I doing? How am I doing physically? Am I paying attention to my weight? Am I paying attention to my blood pressure? Am I paying attention to my anxiety? What are my hurts? Am I paying attention to my hurts? What are my limits? We all have limits. Are we willing to recognize our limits. And then we need to connect to ourselves. Do I have time for myself? Am I paying attention to my pain? Not, not can I, can I, 
point it out, but can I put words to it? Can I, am I aware of my health? Am I getting the testing done that needs to be done? Uh, I used to, you know, my 20s and 30s, when I thought I had a problem or when my vehicles had a problem, I was head in the sand. I was an ostrich. No problems to see here. I I didn't want to face those things. I didn't want to face those things. Can you verbalize your emotion? Brene Brown uh, did some research and she identified that the mean number of uh, emotions that, that people can identify with is three. Happy, sad, and mad. How are you? I'm happy, I'm sad, or I'm mad. Um, now, some people could go a little bit further. They could add frustrated, anxious, excited, depressed, lonely, and worried. So, was that close to 10? In her research, she identified 87 emotions. We're not very, culturally, we're not very in tune with our emotions. We're not very in tune with ourselves. We're not taking the time to connect with ourselves enough to know what's really going on. One day I was, my wife and I were, we had this um, heated exchange, this, this frustrated moment. And I was like, God, I'm so mad. And, uh, and like, but, but what's really the emotion? I think uh, I've watched recently Brene Brown's The Anatomy of the Heart series. And, and so I'm like, well, what's the real emotion? Um, and I decided that I felt, um, trying to remember the, uh, which emotion I was feeling that day. Um, Oh, that's fun. All right. See, I'm telling you guys, we're not very connected to our emotions. (laughs) Um, I felt like that she was either abandoning me or um, like Benedict Arnold. What's the emotion with Benedict Arnold? Um, Yeah. Betrayed. Yes, I felt betrayed. That's what I was feeling. In the moment, I was like, I feel betrayed. But then I, then I went the next step and go, but is my wife betraying me? No, she's not betraying me. Our emotions are, are an indicator something's going on, but they're not always right. And if we can't name it, I'm just mad. Okay, well, it seems like an appropriate response to whatever just happened, right? Or is it? Maybe if we understood ourselves better, maybe if we took time to know ourselves better, to relate with ourselves, to sit in silence sometimes, to journal, and really identify what's going on, maybe God can actually speak into those circumstances. Many times we shy away from how 
to know or connect to ourselves because there's pain there. It's too painful. It's too dark. It's too vulnerable. And sometimes we act against what we know to be true about ourselves. We feel unsafe with somebody, but we, we don't say anything. I think women deal with this probably more often than men. But we feel unsafe with someone, but we don't say anything. Or we go, you know, I really shouldn't have one more drink, but here we go. I need to eat healthier foods, but uh, there's three donuts on this plate. Or I need to say I have too much going on. But we let the rat race just take us along. I want to go back to that idea of, of that we, there's too much pain, there's too much darkness for us to really want to like it, head in the sand wasn't just about uh, for Rob 20 years ago wasn't just about my car or my health or, or those things it's primarily about my emotional health it's primarily about my impact on other people it's primarily about why I had so much brokenness in my life because of what I'd say and what I'd do and what I'd experienced. And sometimes there's these significant moments in our lives that impacts the way we relate today. It doesn't matter if it was a year ago, six months ago, five years ago, 45 years ago, they're significant. And, and those events impact us today and hinder our ability to really love ourselves and ultimately love other people the way God is calling us to love. And our discipleship needs to touch these things, needs to go there with people. I had a couple experiences with my mom that were significant to me. And, and uh, I'm going to share just a couple negative experiences. Uh, there's lots of positive ones. But these two um, impacted me. The first I'll talk about is when I was 10 years old, I got to the size, uh, my mom was tiny, 5'2", 105 pounds wet. And so by the time I was 10, I was catching up to her really, really fast. And I was now at the size that I reminded her of her brother who had molested her when she was that age. And so I would try to hug her and she would push me away. Today's her birthday, by the way. She would push me away. Just an automatic response. Like she wasn't thinking, I got to get away from my son. In fact, she was heartbroken over it. She shared this with me about 10 years ago in a letter. There's another experience that I couldn't verbalize until she told me. But when I was an infant, she physically abused me. Brand new mom, 1,500 miles away from the nearest relative. 
My dad's in the military. He's working whatever hours they require of him. She's basically alone. She's a little kid. I mean, she's barely 19. No, not quite 19. Not quite 19. Like, wasn't the infant's fault. wasn't my fault. And I'm sure a lot of that had to do with her relationships with other people prior to, her, to me showing up. But this left me asking the question for most of my life, am I gross? Walk into any relationship that I've ever been a part of up until six months ago, and the, and the number one question I was trying to answer in my engagement with that person was, am I gross? And will they accept me? It's a filter that no one else knew about. My experience from uh, a lifetime ago. Am I gross? Will I be accepted? And I lived out every relationship trying to answer that question. <laughs> Here's the good news. Here's the good news. The brokenness we experience in relationships, Jesus heals through relationships. I got to experience a very different mom. One that could hug me. One that could look past my faults. One that could say, I accept you. And I know a whole lot about you. The pain we experience in unhealthy relationships is healed in healthy, in the healthy relationships that Jesus provides. That's why we do discipleship. That's why we do discipleship relationally. That's why we don't just hand out books and go, Hey, go figure this out because we have to have, we have to have those new relationships that replace those old experiences so that people can know that whatever filter they're looking at life through that could be replaced with the filter that says you're loved, you're accepted, you are welcome. You have value, you have purpose, your family here, you're roughly right, so am I. Let's do this together. And so the fear, the shame, the rejection, the abandonment, whatever, whatever that lens that you're looking through, they're looking through life at, God wants to replace that lens through our relationship with Christ and our relationship with each other. If you can love your neighbor well, it has to start by loving yourself well. And if you're like, I just don't know if I could do that. That's the journey that God has for you. That's the journey that God has for you. 
Now, quickly, I want to go back to Galatians 5, 22 and 23. And, and we don't need to bring this up, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. These, The fruit of the Spirit. Sometimes we try to force out fruit. Have you ever done that? Like you're looking at this list and going, I just want to be more patient. I need more self-control. and just force myself into more self-control. Uh, this is the fruit of the spirit, not the fruit of Rob's spirit. <laughs> Jesus says this, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So last week we talked about abiding in Christ, that that's where our discipleship starts. Let's, let's start there. Sit at the feet of Jesus like, like Mary did. Take the time and energy to sit at the feet of Jesus because your relationship with him and your relationship with others, God wants to replace those experiences that get in the way of us loving ourselves and really loving others because of that filter that we have in life. Implications this. Christ, Christ came to be in relationship with you. He doesn't want to be a mega pastor. He wants time and energy. He wants intimacy with you. He wants to know you and he wants to connect with you. Christ came to be in relationship with you because you were created a relational being. And oh, by the way, if the spiritual enemy of ours is going to attack us in some way, shape, or form, maybe relationships is where he's going to start. Christ came to be in relationship with you because you were created a relational being. So let's relate with him. And let's re relate with each other. And let's really know. Let's be willing to really know what's going on in the depths of our heart. Let's really know ourselves. Not just our emotions, but our, our physical being. We need to take care of that too. I, I want to give you guys the best version of me. I keep measuring my blood pressure and talking to my doctor. <laughs> Let's know ourselves. Let's know our limits. Let's, let's relate with ourselves well. Let's build deeper connection with Christ because connection with him is what we were created for. Thanks for listening to the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and share if you enjoyed this message. Mission Ridge is a church focused on relational discipleship and located in Missoula, Montana. If you are in the Missoula area, we would love to have you come and join us for worship. Service times, location, and all kinds of other fun stuff can be found on our website, missionridge.church. You can connect with Mission Ridge Church through Facebook or Instagram, so give us a like or follow. If you would like to partner with us financially, 
you can give securely online at missionridge.church give. We'll catch you on the flip side. Thanks for tuning in.